Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Here in Luke chapter 5, we've talked about Jesus who was in the home of Peter, and Jesus was doing a Bible study. And right in the middle of the Bible study, some dust began to fall on his head. And Jesus looked up, and he saw four guys peeling a hole through the roof. And these four guys were getting to Jesus with their friend who was paralyzed and laying on a cot. So their friend was paralyzed and they wanted to bring him to Jesus. And when they got to the house, Jesus was in Peter's house, by the way, in Capernaum. And when they got to the house, the house was packed with people. People were teaming out the doors, squeezing through the windows to hear the Bible study. They realized they couldn't get their friend in the door. They couldn't get their friend in the window. So they decided somebody came up with a great idea. Let's go up on the roof and peel the tiles off and we'll let our friend down. Jesus looks up. He sees this man laying on a cot, coming down, being lowered by four faithful friends. He then looks down at the paralytic and he says to him, your sins are forgiven you. Take up your bed and walk. The man took up his bed and he walked away glorifying God. And then Jesus leaves this scene. If you've been with us, you know, last week we talked about it. Jesus leaves this scene and he went out and he saw a tax collector and his name was Levi. Levi is another name for Matthew. And as we talked about last week, if you were not here, you might want to pick up the CD. Um, Tax collectors were hated people. Uh, They were despised among people. Uh, because they were rip-off artists, they would take advantage of the poor and taking bribes from the rich. Tax collectors weren't allowed in church. They were not allowed to testify in court. And people hated tax collectors. So when people saw a tax collector, they saw a man who was despised and rejected. When Jesus saw a tax collector... He saw a man who could be mightily used in his hands. Don't you know? Jesus sees different than man sees. Man sees somebody who's despised and rejected. Jesus sees a preacher of the gospel, a recorder of the gospel, a rescuer of souls. And it was Levi, Jesus looked at him and told him to follow him. Levi, the Bible tells us, left all, rose up, and followed Jesus, and he no longer collected taxes for Rome. Now he was a collector 
of souls for Jesus. Jesus, in both those stories, did a new thing. This morning, this afternoon, should I say, we come to another story in which Jesus does a new thing in a man. Of course, I titled my sermon, A New Thing. Luke chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 33, saints, if you're looking at it, verse 33, say amen. Amen. Then they said, in verse 33, they said to him, Jesus, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours, your disciples, Jesus, they eat and they drink? And Jesus said to them something very interesting. He said, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Saints, we got to stop right there. Give me your attention. When Jesus called Levi to follow him, you know from last week, Levi threw a party. And he threw a party and he invited all of his friends. And of course, tax collectors were pretty shady in those days. So all of his friends were probably pretty shady. The people in that room at the party that Levi had were probably other tax collectors, IRS agents. If you work for IRS, I love you, but you're crooked. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's good you're in church. And in that room, can you imagine the scene of this party that Levi throws? There's drunkards and prostitutes and homosexuals and drug addicts and all kind of shady people are gathered. So the Pharisees, you know you were here last week, the Pharisees asked, why do you eat and drink with those people asking Jesus? And Jesus said, duh, those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. And I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is basically saying, listen, I am like a doctor. And like doctors, I need to be around sick people. In this case, sin-sick people. Sin-sick people. Jesus, listen to me close. Jesus hates sin, but Jesus loves sinners. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus hates sin, but he loves sinners. You know, that neighbor who's living with her boyfriend, you know God loves them? That guy in the office who's having an affair with a secretary, God loves them. The girl you know who's using drugs, God loves them. That guy in school who's a homosexual, God loves them. God, listen, he hates sin, but God loves sinners. He loves sinners so much, perhaps somebody will agree with me. He loves sinners so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for sinful people. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? God loves sinners. And he forgives sinners. How do I know? Because he forgave me. Can I get a witness? He forgave me. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's all right. I'm happy about it. Certainly am. Well, notice in verse 33 in your Bibles, they're still in the house of Levi. If you're taking notes, tracking with me. They are still in the house of Levi. And the Pharisees are complaining. Are you getting this? The Pharisees are complaining and the sinners are celebrating. The sinners are happy and the Pharisees are sad. 
And the Pharisees said, why do your disciples or the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and the disciples of the Pharisees do the same? But Jesus, they said, your disciples are eating and drinking instead of fasting. Now listen to me close. In the Old Testament, fasting was only required once a year, one fast a year, and one day a year. That would be the day of Yom Kippur. That was the day in which the nation was called to fast. But what happened was the Jewish people kept adding to the scriptures. And so they began to fast every Monday and every Thursday. They prayed three times a day, 12, 3, and 6 p.m. They had memorized prayers. They had special prayers that they would pray for the death, for those that died. They had special prayer for, the, for a birth. They had special prayer for each day of the year, special prayer for a dedication. They had all of these canned prayers. And after a while, listen, are you listening? After a while, because they had all of these canned prayers, nobody knew how to pray. That is why the disciples asked Jesus, Lord Teach us to pray. In other words, we don't know how to pray. Because the only examples that we have seen of prayer are canned prayers. We have no idea how to pray. Very interesting. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Very interesting that this is the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. Isn't that interesting? The only thing. They didn't ask him to teach them to heal the sick. They didn't ask him to teach them how to walk on water, although that would be pretty cool. They didn't ask him to teach them how to feed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch, although that would be big business. (laughs) And they didn't ask him what's the best way to raise money for a building project. Somebody say amen. Uh Uh-huh. They said, Lord, teach us to be praying men. Teach us to pray. Why? Why? Why did they ask Jesus to teach them to pray. I think it's because this, the disciples get this. They had the privilege, the honor, the opportunity to eavesdrop on Jesus when he prayed. And when they were eavesdropping on Jesus, when he prayed, the one thing that stuck out to them was the fact that Jesus, when he talked to the father, he did not talk to the father in canned prayers. Read your Bible. When Jesus talked to the Father, he talked to the Father. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to the Father. Write that down. If you ain't going to write it down, say amen. Some of y'all ain't write it down. Y'all disobedient sheep. Y'all ain't write nothing down. Prayer is talking to the Father. Man, was that good news for me. When I realized, when I learned that prayer was talking to the Father, Because when I first became a Christian, when you first become a Christian, you don't know how to pray. There's like no class on how to pray 101. There's no class to take. So you don't know how to pray. So you go to a prayer meeting and you learn to pray based on other people praying. So when I first went to church and when I first became a Christian, I went to a charismatic church, a Pentecostal church, Church of God in Christ, Kojic, for some of y'all that know. Anybody know what Kojic is? Kojic, okay. Four people, I'll talk to you. I went to Kojic. And uh, I learned how to pray. 
And I heard prayer, 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 prayer was loud. Man, prayer was loud. You get together and pray. When you pray, you got to pray. You got to pray with, I ain't nothing wrong with fervency now. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with fervency, but you had to pray with fervency. I'm talking fervency like I'm dripping sweat fervency. And you had to pray loud and you had to pray long. And if you're really, really praying, you in a circle, you praying, oh, Lord, I tell you, I need you spitting on people. And I got the feeling that you really weren't praying until you start spitting on people. This is my experience, people. I'm just telling you my experience. I don't know about you, but we were praying and it's like, Lord, I tell you, I the Lord. And I'm like, man, is this prayer? This is the nasty. I don't know what something's not quite right here. I'm not getting it. And, and I learned to pray in that environment. And so I started praying like I learned to pray, hearing other people pray. Well, let's go back even further than that. When I was in school, I went to Catholic school from grades one through 10. And in Catholic school, we learned to pray. Please understand my comments here. By no means am I trying to be disrespectful, but we learned to pray. My experience, again, canned prayers. We learned to pray canned prayers. I remember we prayed our Father. Don't you understand? Listen, the Our Father in the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, it really is a canned prayer. But it was intended to be a canned prayer. It was not intended that you pray this prayer. Some people say you're not praying unless you pray to our Father. And so every service, they pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. They pray that because they think you have to pray that. Well, Jesus didn't give them that prayer that they have to pray that prayer. He gave them that prayer as a model prayer. In other words, your prayer shouldn't be something like this. But not as a canned prayer, but coming up in Catholic school, we learned it as a canned prayer. The Hail Mary, hmm? the Apostles' Creed, the St. Michael's Prayer. That was a prayer to protect us from the devil. The Act of Contrition, the Guardian Angel Prayer, prayer before grace before meals. You had a specific prayer that you prayed. Are you listening? You had a specific prayer that you prayed before you ate. You said, Lord, bless this food, O Lord, these thy gifts, which thou art about, that we are about to receive through, from, through thy bounty, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Anybody remember that prayer? Y'all remember that prayer? You had to pray that prayer before you eat. That was, to me, that's kind of, you know, that, uh, look, I'm one of those kind of prayers. Thank God I learned what real prayer is. I mean, really, I learned that you don't have to pray long prayers in order for God to hear you. I thank God for that because when it's time to eat, it's not time for long prayers. Let me tell you, and you know, when you have, when you got the family over, you got, and you got Thanksgiving and it's like, you know, you know who to ask to pray. Cause some folks, some people like, some people like to pray long. That's okay. If you home by yourself in front of your TV dinner and you want to pray to that whole tray, get freezing cold. That's okay. But when you're with the family and it's time to pray, it's time to eat, make it simple. Some folks want to pray for the carpet. They want to pray for, let us pray. And you know when they ask Uncle Harry to pray, he, y'all going to be here a minute. It's like 10 minutes. At the end of the prayer, you didn't even bless the food. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm, y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm, you know, you pray them really long prayers and then all of a sudden one eye open. I look over, this is get, get, get too long. I look over the fire, I'd be like, it get too long. I'd be like, are you hearing what I'm hearing? 
like the man blessed the food. Let's eat. I'm talking about long prayer. Look, I am not a long prayer. Pastor Rodney is not a long prayer. People have complimented me on that. (laughs) They have. They said, Pastor, thank you, because they asked me to pray. I just say, let's get together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the food. Let's eat. Sometimes I'm by myself. I'm on thank you. The plate, the fork is on the way in the mouth. Thank you. (laughs) No, no. Prayers we prayed before meals. Prayers we prayed after meals. All of these canned, repetitious prayers. Don't you guys remember in Matthew chapter 6? I've got it on the screen for you. Matthew 6, 7. It was Jesus who said, And when you pray, don't use what, saints? Vain repetitions as heathens do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Why is it that we think the strength of prayer has to do with the length of prayer? The strength of prayer has nothing to do with the length of prayer. Don't you understand that God will not be any more impressed because of your long prayers? As a matter of fact, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. It says, for God is in heaven and you are on the earth, so let your words be few. Now I can see what some of y'all are thinking. Pastor Rodney, you need to practice what you preach. Let your words be few. Just because you pray long, loud prayers, it doesn't mean that they're any stronger. As a matter of fact, you study the scriptures, short prayers are prayers that God has answered as well. Don't you remember when Peter was walking on the water and all of a sudden he began to sink and his prayer was, help! Don't you remember that? I love that prayer. Let me tell you something. When you're going down... When you're going down, there is no time for Father. What is thou cometh to me now? Reacheth out thine hand upon thine servant as thou art going under thine water. Man, when you're going down, ain't got time for all that. It's like, help! And the Lord will help you. Help is a prayer. Somebody clap your hands if you know that. Do you know it? Help is a prayer. And there have been many times in my life, honestly, there have been many times in my life, situations in my life, I didn't even know how to pray. How about that? We don't even know how to pray. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So not only is, watch this, not only is help a prayer, but groaning is a prayer. So I don't even know how to pray. And you get before the Lord and go, mmm, mmm, God, my kids, mmm. <laughs> Parents, it's a prayer. You see, understand something. Prayer is just simply talking to God. The Bible is God talking to you. Prayer, you're talking to God. The Bible, God's talking to you. Now you have a conversation. We call that a relationship. And that's why we as Christians, we don't say that we, that we, we are in a religion. It's not a religion. Because a religion does not have a God that has spoken to you. 
clearly and expressly through his word, through his written word. In a religion, there's no two-way correspondence, but in a relationship, there is. You're married to a lady or a husband, you got a relationship, you talk to one another. You got friends, you talk to one another. And when you haven't talked to each other for a long time, you go, man, I haven't talked to you in forever. Man, we got we to gotta reconnect because it's a relationship. And God just wants to, us to just talk to him. You know, well, I, don't, I don't have time. You're doing devotion. I don't have time for devotion, Pastor. I just, oh, man, my schedule's so tight. It's like, oh, I get up in the morning. I got to have my coffee. And whoo, who has time for devotion? I'm like, wait, devotion? You don't have to take a lot of time with devotion. Some people think they got to take four hours in the morning and sit with God. I don't do that. I don't do that. It depends on how my day goes. If I have a busy morning, then I may take 10, 15 minutes with sitting with the Lord. If I have an easy morning, I might sit for an hour with the Lord. It's not, it's not about religion for me. I'm not, I'm not in this thing because I have to do this and I have to do that. Who wants somebody talking to them because they have to talk to them? Like God is in heaven going, now you better talk to me. You better talk to me. And if you don't talk to me, God, what kind of relationship is that? God wants you to talk to him because you love him. Because you want to spend a little time with him. You know you got a busy day. He knows you got a busy day. That's just a relationship. That's all I'm talking to you about. Are you getting me? And just talk to God. Take it every day. Guarantee your day go better. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Email me. Do it tomorrow. And then email me. Just spend time. Go to the website, email me. Say, Pastor Rodney, you were right like I knew you would be because you always right. <laughs> you know? Spend time with God. The Pharisees believed that prayers were more powerful and more anointed if they were long and loud and informative. Notice again in verse 33, these religious people said, we fast often. Now, guys, if you want a detailed study, we're not going to go into it today, but if you want a detailed study on fasting, go to the bookstore. I think there might be some CDs left on Isaiah chapter 58. I did some time ago a detailed study on fasting, and uh, I believe in fasting. I believe we should take time to fast, especially in the culture that we live in. You know, fasting just, just gets, gets, gets a hold of your flesh. You know, you got to eat, got to eat, got to eat, got to eat. You don't have to fast for a day. You know, some people think you got to fast for the whole day or you got to do a 40-day fast or a 150-day fast or a 400-day fast. Why would they think that? You could fast for one meal. How about one meal? Just one meal. Lord, I'm not going to take breakfast today. I'm just going to, the time when my stomach gets hungry, and it will, then I'm going to pray, you know? And when you're fasting, the Bible says, don't look like you're fasting, Hey, listen, let me help you. So I'm really quickly, okay? Y'all give me a second. When you are fasting, please do not look like you're fasting. No need for a holy hairdo. No need for sanctimonious, sanctified looking face. No need to suck your cheeks in and looking all holy. He looks at you, oh, wow, what's wrong? Everything okay? No, I'm just... Fasting for Jesus. No, you look like you need some sugar. (laughs) And people do that. I mean, they really do. 
Because they want you to know how spiritual they are and how holy they are. You know, when you're fasting, fix yourself up. Comb your hair, brush your tooth, put some deodorant on. You see, the Pharisees, they said, Jesus, Jesus, John's disciples are fasting and praying, but your disciples are eating and drinking. And notice again, saints, look at verse 34 in your Bibles. Verse 34. Notice Jesus. He said, can you make the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? And then in verse 35, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. Now listen, we all know in Jesus' day, give me your attention, in Jesus' day and in our day, a wedding is a time for celebration and not a time for mourning. It's a time to rejoice. And Jesus is making that point. I came into the world to make life a feast and not a funeral. This is a time of rejoicing. And this is what the prophets have been waiting for. And the centuries have been moving toward. Jesus is saying, listen, it would be inappropriate for my followers to mourn while I am with them. But in verse 35, please peek at it again. There is a time when the bridegroom will be taken away. If you're taking notes in your margins in your Bible you can write this word. The word taken away speaks of violently in the Greek language. Violently taken away. Then there will be a time for mourning. And then will be a time for fasting. That time did come when Jesus went to the cross and he died and was buried for three days. And the church throughout the centuries have been fasting ever since. And Jesus says there's a day coming for fasting, but now is not the time. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.